0: Welcome back to another chapter of To Honesty and Comeuppance, an Attack on Titan fanfiction written by yours truly, Tolstoy Ackerman. You can find this fanfiction by clicking on the link in my profile, which will take you to all of my works on AO3, or by going to AO3 and searching for the title, or my pen name, Tolstoy Ackerman, two words. Standard disclaimer, I do not own Attack on Titan, I only own the original characters here within, and this is entirely non-for-profit. Thanks for coming back to another chapter. Without further ado, let's get into chapter 33. Chapter 33 Bruises The next four days and nights passed by quickly, and Himmel slept so briefly and sporadically that the rest of them began to wonder when she found the time. Trying to catch her asleep had become something of a game to them. None of them were dumb enough to try to wake her. Connie had learned that lesson firsthand long ago and made sure no one bothered her. Now that they were out of the barracks and no longer under the military regimen, she was able to go back to her usual pattern of thirty minutes of rest here and there through the day for a total of a couple hours. I don't get it. How are you not about to collapse? Eden demanded. Himmel was agitating the bubbling kettle full of their clothes with an oar Armin and Connie made her out of one of the boards from the hayloft. She had taken off her black blouse due to the heat of the weather and fire, and she was in just a black tank top, trousers, and boots. Her hair, nose, and mouth were obscured by two black bandanas, as usual. Why would I collapse? I'm getting rest. You guys just aren't good enough at catching me. Eden gave her a long look. Are you not sleeping because something's bothering you? His concern caught her off guard, and her hands twitched on the oar. No, it's nothing like that. Before I joined the cadet corps, I kept odd hours. This is how I used to operate, sleeping in small increments in between things. And I just want to have this place as nice as possible before Levi comes. You know how he is. Eden shuddered. I've been trying to get them to understand, but... I know, you kinda need to see it to believe it. Doesn't help that it started out as disgusting as it did. We made real progress, but it's still not good enough for him. It must have been draining growing up with him, Eden said. When Himmel clearly didn't follow, he elaborated, I mean, he's such a perfectionist, and he can be really harsh. Himmel laughed a little. (laughs) I don't know, I like that about him. He holds everyone to the same standards he holds himself. Not too many people can do that. Eren was running his thumb along his index finger. It was a little nervous habit of his, so she continued stirring the soapy, steaming soup of their laundry and waited. You guys didn't exactly seem thrilled with one another when we were in Commander Ervin's room, he finally said. That was an understatement. Himmel looked into the churning, gray-brown murk and thought the dreary color matched the situation well. I keep reminding him why we stopped running together, she said, but don't worry. Even when we're mad at each other, we know how to put it aside when there's work. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about you. If he kicks the shit out of me or something, patch me up. "'I'm serious,' Eden said. "'She looked away from the laundry and to him. "'I'm planning to talk to him when he gets here.' "'This was true. "'She intended to talk to him as soon as they got a moment alone. "'What she'd say to him, however, she had no idea. "'With nothing but hour upon hour of cleaning, "'mostly by herself, she'd had ample time to think about it. "'She'd played through a hundred different scenarios "'in which Levi arrived furious or sullen or ambivalent "'or even blasé, of a dozen different ways to broach the topic that she was a bad person, and each one inevitably ended with him ready to be through with her. A decade ago, Levi had left her for many reasons. She couldn't give him the relationship they both wanted, she couldn't be honest with him about her ability, she couldn't stay objective when he was involved, and, crucially, she did not value human life as much as he did. Since then, two of those four major issues had been rectified, but Himmel didn't know how to fix the other two, Even if she did, she wasn't sure that she wanted to. "'Well, if you want to talk or anything,' Eden offered. She gave him a warm look. I appreciate it.' Her thoughts swirled like the dirty laundry water before her, and they preoccupied her as she continued through the day. They had managed to change the house into a rather inviting home, and early in the morning Himmel and Eden had introduced the team to Levi's standards. No one was enthused, considering the monumental progress they'd already made, and that its current state would have appeased nearly anyone else. Still, while Himmel focused on laundry and Eden tidied up the stables in preparation for Hanji and Levi's horses and wagon, they both made frequent trips into the house to police everyone's work, until not even a single mote of dust remained. Late, late at night, long after everyone had gone to bed, Himmel was outside scrubbing the moth-eaten, mouse-bitten curtains on a washing board beside the kettle in the fire ring when she heard the massive slam of the stone slab in the barn being shoved up. She imagined that the impact vibrated from her toes and all the way to the follicles on the top of her head, and she chewed on her lips as she pulled up the bandana she'd let fall to her neck in her solitude. Even as she feared how Levi treat her, and a little voice whispered that he had had enough time since last seeing her to decide he was better off without her, Himmel still felt a dizzying excitement to know that he was finally with her again. She got to her feet, dried her hands on her trousers, and hurried into the barn. She pushed open the sliding door wide enough that the starlight could provide the modicum of illumination. Levi, Hanji, Mobleit, and two Survey Corps men Himmel didn't know were leading horses and two wagons out of the gentle slope of the tunnel, smoky from the torches, filthy from the dirt, and harrowed from the long journey. You guys make it all right? Himmel asked, taking Hanji's horse from them. Ah, Himmel! Hanji wrapped their arms around Himmel in a shockingly strong hug, lifting her off her feet and twirling her around. I thought I was going to die trapped underground with doom and gloom over there. I can't imagine a worse way to go, Himmel laughed. Hanji put Himmel down, and everyone unhitched the wagons from the horses, got the animals unsaddled and in their stalls with feed and water, and carried in the crates of food, bedding, clothes, and other goods. Levi was a veritable miasma, wafting from the barn to the house and back at three times the speed of the others. He didn't utter a single word. Himmel chewed on her lips furiously. The excitement she'd felt had curdled and her stomach hurt. You have to tell me how you came to have this tunnel and house, Hanji said, as they carried crates across the yard to place before the door. It's incredible a private highway all the way from Yarkel to Korba. I made friends with a particular mine owner who was kind enough to lend me his assistance, Himmel said. And as for the house, it was payment for a job. Hanji looked at her, stunned, stacking their crate on top of one that was already at the door. "'But this house and the land it sits on "'must have been worth a fortune "'even before Walmaria fell. "'What kind of job could—' "'Levi pushed between the two of them "'to set down two crates instead of one. "'Scowling,' he said. "'It was a hit.' "'Himmel felt as though he'd whipped her. "'She couldn't believe that he would tell them "'the uglier side of her work so flippantly. "'They were military, "'and they were people whose good graces "'she had to stay in as long as she was upside. "'Is that true?' Mobley asked her. Levi had already stomped off back to the barn, and now it was just Hanji and Mobleet staring at her. Himmel couldn't meet their eyes. Yeah, I'd rather not talk about it. Not even Hanji could think of anything to say after that, and they continued moving crates in silence thick enough that Himmel could have buried herself in it. When they were done being pack horses, though, she forced herself to speak. She led them around the back of the house, by the little tool shed and outhouse, and to the back door that opened onto the shower room. There's just two rules to this place. Keep it clean, and don't go into the tool shed. It used to be a well house, and there's an old well under the floor. It's not safe. You're all pretty dirty, and we worked hard getting this place clean, so go through the shower and get yourselves washed up and changed. You want me to make you something to eat? Everyone preferred to sleep after the full day's journey, and while the four of them entered the large shower room or the outhouse, she went to the front of the house and started unpacking the crates alone, her every motion felt jerky, and she thought she could hear her joints creaking, but in actuality she moved with the same fluidity as always. It was her thoughts that were stuttering and sickly. Levi hadn't looked at her once. She put the food into the newly mouse-proof pantry and cabinets, bags of flowers stacked atop one another, tea leaves placed reverently on the lowest shelf besides the cups and saucers, vegetables wrapped in burlap and put in the lockbox. He hadn't said a single word since arriving, other than to inform everyone that she had murdered someone for this house. She put the cleaning goods under the sink, bars of soap, one after another, in sturdy towers, starch in a sack, four bottles of vinegar that clinked softly as she slid them into a row, lie galore, towels and rags folded with precision. He must have spent the past five days and the whole twenty hours in that tunnel remembering all the reasons he had left her. She carried the bedsheets up and made the beds of the master bedroom and four other rooms. One sheet wrapped around the mattress and tucked in so neatly it appeared to be sewn on. Another sheet atop it, the first ten centimeters pulled back. A pillow fluffed. A light summer blanket spread across it without a crease to be found. She should have had one of the kids bunk up. Levi wouldn't want to be in the same room as her. Swallowing down nausea, she went down to the kitchen and waited for everyone to get out of the bathroom. Once they did, she showed them to their rooms. She had thought Levi would be the first one in and out, but he was the last. No doubt he wanted as much time as possible to scour himself clean. He emerged from the shower room, dirty clothes under one arm, rucksack tossed over his shoulder. His hair was still damp and hung in spiky clumps, dripping water onto his plain gray shirt. For all the scrubbing he'd done, he'd been unable to wash away his ashen dark circles. It looked like it had been days since he'd properly slept. He was looking around the moonlit kitchen, inspecting it with hawkish eyes, and avoiding her. Here, she said, holding out a sack to him. I'm collecting everyone's clothes. He dumped them in without looking. She wanted to jump out the window above the sink, dive into the tunnel in the barn, and live with the spiders. The room is this way, she said, working hard not to show how badly she wanted to run. Himmel turned and headed out of the kitchen, into the foyer, and up the creaky stairs, his soft footfalls behind her let her know that he was indeed following. They turned left at the landing, and she opened the door at the end of the hall. She had slaved for two full days over this room. She'd sanded away the years of grime and the finish off the walls, and then she'd polished them and the floors until they were warm and shining. She'd gotten a ladder and scrubbed and polished the wood off the ceiling even. All three windows, granting them a view to the north, east, and south, were so clean and streak-free you'd think they were open. The dresser and nightstand she'd lugged downstairs and washed out before leaving them to dry in the sun and then polishing them as well. With the fresh blankets they'd brought to put on the bed, the only thing setting it apart from an inn and Mitras was the lack of decoration. Even soaked in the dim light of the stars as it was, the whole place seemed to glow. Without pause, Levi went to the dresser and opened a drawer. When his eyes fell on her own changes of clothes neatly folded within, he halted. I'll share a room with Mikasa starting tomorrow, she said. What about tonight? He looked right at her as he asked, but his face and voice were so blank that she couldn't tell what answer he wanted. I'm doing laundry tonight. The curtains are the last thing in the house to be done. She gestured limply to the naked windows for emphasis. He looked away from her and started taking his clothes out of the rucksack, unfolding them, refolding them, and placing them precisely into the drawer beside hers. Himmel stood on the threshold on her tiptoes. It felt like there was a rope anchored deep in her chest and someone was reeling her in towards oblivion. After three summers, he said, close the door behind you. His words increased the tension of the rope by tenfold and something was ripped out of its place in her. She closed the door silently, slipped on her boots at the front door and returned to doing laundry, trying very hard not to think of anything at all. She sat down on the bucket she'd been using as a stool all day and resumed racking the disgusting curtains on the washboard. Meter by meter, she clenched the coarse material in her red, raw fingers and raked it up and down fifteen times before drawing up a new meter and beginning again. She found peace in repetition. Was that why she kept repeating all the things that Levi hated? So suddenly she was unaware of it, rage swallowed her whole. She shot to her feet and kicked the massive butcher kettle with all her might, sending it and the stand crashing onto its side. Gallon upon gallon of dirty water gushed out onto the muddy grass, and the fire hissed in reproach when a few rivulets got past the stone barricade she'd made earlier. She stood there in the moonlight, panting and balling her fists with the effort of keeping her tears in. She had been born a monster, and he had spent their childhood trying to teach her how to wear the pelts of humans to blend in. Certainly, she tried hard to learn everything he taught her, and of course, she wanted to be a good person. But she wasn't as good as him, and she didn't know how to be. Maybe agreeing to meet Levi and Ervin three years ago had been a mistake. Maybe, if she had been able to accept the fact that sometimes love wasn't enough to keep two people together, she could have broken away from him sooner and saved them both all this hassle. Himmel scoured the hot cauldron out, righted it, and filled it with well water so she could start soaking the clothes while she kept scrubbing the curtains. The laundry kept her occupied until just before sunrise, when she hung the last of the clothes up to dry, doused the fire, cleaned the cauldron once more, and headed inside. She needed a shower. She was smoky and filthy from sitting by the fire for a full day and night. Reluctantly, she went up the stairs into the master bedroom. She knocked on the door softly, and when no answer came from within, she opened the door and poked her head in. Levi was gone, the bed pristine. Quickly, she grabbed the change of clothes and fled to the shower room. It was her own house, but she was running around it like a mouse. She disgusted herself in so many ways. She ran her hands through her curls. She'd hacked those stupid braids off with a knife days ago, and other than undoing the braids, she had done nothing else with them. The cut was uneven, but she couldn't bring herself to give a shit. She'd had it all hidden under bandanas most of the time anyways. Clean again, in another pair of black trousers, bra, undershirt, and socks, she felt slightly better. She dropped her dirty clothes into the tall basket in the corner of the room, farthest from the showerhead, and exited the shower room onto the kitchen. Levi was kneeling down before the oven starting a fire, and Himmel froze. She didn't know what to do. Could she head upstairs without a word and hide there for a couple hours under the guise of sleep? Could she go outside and find something to do? The kindling crackled to life, and he rose onto his tiptoes to open the cabinets above, one after the other, retrieving the tea, cups, and saucers. Where's the kettle? He said. Himmel opened the cupboard under the sink, which was beside the stove, and held all the cleaning supplies, and pots, pans, and kettle. She filled it with water and handed it to him. Sun's almost up, and yet none of the brats are awake. Have you been letting them slack off? She bristled. We've all been busting our asses from the moment we got here to make this place acceptable. They're exhausted. I told them they could sleep in this morning. Levi leaned back against the sink, crossing his arms over his chest. She found herself taking a step back and closer to the foyer, but she didn't leave. They worked hard, he said. It was some of the most glowing praise possible from him, but she wasn't warmed by it tell me about them how are they since that whole clusterfuck out there in the field this was a safe topic because it had nothing to do with him or her it was just about the kids she said eden was pissed because i took away his chance to fight and he was pissed with himself because he wasn't able to save a garrison soldier he was indebted to mikasa was pissed with me because i stole eden but i think we've come to an understanding you can expect trouble from her if we put eden at risk armin's upset about that garrison soldier too Historia's barely said a word to anyone. You'd think she was a completely different person since Ymir left. She hasn't wanted to talk with anyone about it. Connie's taking the whole thing better than I thought he would, but I wouldn't bring his mom up. And Jean and Sasha are reeling from Bertolt and Reiner like everyone else, but they're good at focusing on the now. Sasha's been trying to keep everyone's spirits up. Jean is being careful to act the exact same as usual. Levi considered this information. Eden was the only member of the 104th that he knew, other than her. Mikasa had helped them retrieve Eden from the female in the Titan Forest. He'd met a few of them when they planned to capture Annie, and Historia had ridden with him back to the walls. They were all practically strangers to him. eden has been talking you up, and Historia talked about how you hit her when you brought her back from the Undercity, she said. Coupled with how Eden and I practically had them turn this into one massive mouse and bat den into a cozy home you could lick any surface of, they think you're a demon. And what did you tell them about me? That you can be a demon when you have to be, but overall you're just the average asshole. He glowered at her, and she realized that their usual banter tasted sour. How's Hanji and the others, she said, before the taste could worsen. He removed the kettle of tea from the hob and poured two cups. He handed one to her, and she took it, somewhat surprised by the banal gesture. We lost more of our officers than ever before, he stated. There was a mass funeral yesterday. She bowed her head, too ashamed to look at him. Most of them were killed in Ragako and defending Utgard before the rescue team got there, he added. That may have decreased her remorse, but it didn't lessen the heartache she felt for Hanji and Levi and the others, who had surely been friends with those that had died. They sipped the strong, steaming tea. It was earthy and very slightly floral. What else needs to be done around the house? he asked. Another painless topic. There's a couple broken windows we need to replace if you are able to bring any. If not, we can board them up. And I patched the hole in the roof of your bedroom, but we need to seal it and lay new thatching over it. There's small leaks in two other bedrooms I need to get up on the roof to inspect, too. I figured there'd be more to do. We've been working hard. Also, turns out Armin and Connie aren't terrible at basic carpentry. They fixed two of the stairs and replaced some of the floorboards. I couldn't believe how long that fucking tunnel was. You're out of your goddamn mind. And to think, just three years after I dug it, Maria fell, and I lost my main reason for having Replinger drill it in the first place. replinger that's the one that owns the mines in Nedley, isn't it? She nodded, kept his promise to keep half his men from the Undercity until Maria fell, and not even people from the Undercity wanted to live there. Replinger had ultimately been the reason that Himmel and Levi had taken on the Fifteens, and though that wound was old, Himmel had cut it back open just a few days ago, She regretted this line of conversation immediately. "'How's your leg?' she asked. "'Fully healed,' he said. For the first time since he'd arrived, he had made her glad. She'd been worrying about his injury. "'What about you?' he wanted to know. The question confused her for a moment. He knew that she had brought herself back while grabbing Historia. Her only injury after that had been a couple sprained ankles that she'd jogged off. Yeah, nothing's happened. "'Is that why your hands look mangled?' She looked down at them. One held the saucer and the other the teacup. Both of them were red, covered in scrapes that burned, and the skin around the nails was cracked and peeling. Her palms were covered in more blisters and nicks as well. "'Might have been a bit overzealous with the lie,' she said. Quiet stretched between them as he took her in once more, his expression still unreadable. "'Then,' he said, "'the horses are disgusting from the trip. I'm going to go groom them. Are you going to sleep?' Unsure if her stupidly optimistic mind was hearing an invitation where there wasn't one, she said, I got a couple hours in before you showed up. He held out a hand, gesturing for her empty cup. Still not allowing herself hope, she gave it and the saucer to him. Wordlessly, he washed and dried both sets and returned them to the cupboards. Then he walked out of the kitchen and into the foyer to put on his boots. If you don't want to, just say, he said when she didn't move. But she did want to, so she put on her own boots and followed him out to the barn. He stopped at the well to fill two buckets with water, and she proceeded to bridle two of the four horses that had arrived last night and led them out to the side of the barn where there were posts to to tie them to. Himmel grabbed two soft-bristled brushes from the barn and traded one for a bucket of water from Levi. Then they began gently washing the horses. They couldn't see one another, but Himmel could hear the soft swish of his brush and the drip of water. If only they could live together like this, doing only mundane things. She remembered what he had told her weeks ago as she lay in his arms, how he imagined them having a tea shop and five kids. At the time, she had found it whimsical and sweet. Now, however, she realized that it was the only future in which he could be happy with her, one in which none of the base sides of her had a chance to arise. I couldn't believe how many spiders there were in that tunnel, he said at length. You must have shit yourself when you came here on your own the first time. Of course he hadn't forgotten her phobia. She had very few, after all, and when they were children, she hadn't been able to hide her fear like she could now. When she'd lifted up the slab in the barn outside Yarkell and held a torch down into the depths, the webs had been thick like a brown, writhing fog. She'd grabbed a long stick in the barn and used it like a machete to clear a path but she dropped it and cried multiple times when they inevitably scuttled up the pole and onto her hands, or when they dropped from the ceiling onto her head, or when they tried to make a home in her hair and she clamped her hands over her ears and screamed through pinched lips as she realized she couldn't cover both her nose and her ears at the same time, and they could, no, would, crawl inside, and she'd feel them inside her, biting and rustling until they curled up and died. It wasn't fun, she said. I never did understand why you didn't like them. Himmel shook her brush in the increasingly murky water and washed down the horse's neck and mane as she gnawed on her lips under the bandana. There was a client that had a thing with spiders. The whir of his brush stopped, and even though she couldn't see him, she could feel his pity. She tossed the brush to the ground, grabbed her bucket, and went around to take his. They're getting too dirty. I'll change them, she said. Before she could take his, he wrapped his fingers around one of her wrists, willing her to look at him. His brows were knit, and while he masked his sympathy for her, there was something deep and powerful in his dark eyes. Why'd you make all those tunnels, the one to Metris, the one to here, when you knew they'd fill up with the things you hate? I'll do what I have to to help my people, she said simply. It looked like her words had hurt him in some way, and his grip on her wrist tightened for a moment as though he was going to pull her to him, but instead he let go and their hands fell to their sides. He loved her dedication to the people, but he also reviled it. Levi took the bucket out of her hand and picked up his own. Give your hands a rest, he said, and your hair looks like shit, we're cutting it later. He was already walking away, and Himmel allowed herself to stare at his back in amazement. Why wasn't he turning her away? Why was he going out of his way to be kind to her? She couldn't make sense of his decisions, but they were the ones she wanted him to make, so she didn't dare object. One by one, all the members of the new team awoke, and the house came to life. They had lunch together in the dining room, which was still curtainless since neither Himmel nor Levi were tall enough to hang them. There, they all had a chance to introduce themselves to one another. Hanji was largely a stranger to the 104th, and Moblete and the other two men of hers she'd brought were even more unknown. They also made clear Commander Ervin's intentions. Hanji explained, All members of the 104th are believed to have been kidnapped by Himmel's White, who is now wanted. MPs are canvassing the Undercity for her. Himmel couldn't help but chuckle. There wasn't a single citizen of the Undercity who wouldn't clamp their mouth shut when asked about the whereabouts of a woman with blonde curls and big green eyes. Even without definite knowledge that the MPs were looking for the Sabakia, no one would take the risk. Absolute loyalty was one of the fruits of her two decades of labor. They have deemed her highly dangerous, and all military personnel have orders to kill her on sight, Hanji said. What's the reward? Levi said. Himmel elbowed him while everyone else looked stricken. We can't just stay in this house in the middle of nowhere forever, Armin said, and Himmel stands out. I've spent most of my life doing illegal things. I'm better at keeping a low profile than you'd think, she said. Though this does mean that either we find a way to clear my name, or I have to go back to skulking around in the Undercity the rest of my life, and I don't really want that. Hanji nodded. As of yesterday, Levi, myself, and my men decided to become Himmel's allies and fled here. Levi's reasoning is that he's known Himmel from childhood. The two of you convinced me that I could learn more about Titans if I joined you, and I forced my men to come. Himmel was surprised by the boldness of this move. And what is Ervin going to do about this? He'll feign shock and begin to search for us in all the places Levi or I would be likely to hide. Meanwhile, he's got a gamble on. We can expect one messenger every day to relay news back and forth, so someone will have to be posted in the barn at all times. Himmel, Ervin said he wants a cipher. He wants a cipher, Himmel spat, like they're so easy to create, sure. Use our old one, Levi said. Won't work, he doesn't have the book memorized. Before Levi could bitch at her, she headed outside and picked a suitable block of firewood and also a couple of the carpentry tools the boys had been using. She returned with them, pulled her knife out of her boot, spread a handkerchief out on the table, and began carving a cipher wheel. How many people should be able to decode and encode it, she said. Hanji considered this. Ervin, you, Levi, Armin, and the messengers. Right. Himmel wasn't entirely sure what shape the cipher would take yet, but she'd need at least two wheels. She put the log on the ground and used her boot to help force the knife through it to split it in half. Then she began working on cleaving out two thick circles that she would then shave down. When she'd made the new cipher for her, Nathaniel, Robert, and Vanessa, she'd made sure that they'd perfectly memorized it and then burned the wooden decoder disc. This time, they'd have to keep the disks on them, and there was a chance that they could be intercepted. The code would have to be difficult to decode, even with the disks. "'What's a number that's significant to Commander Ervin that not many other people would know?' she asked. Hanji leaned in and whispered in her ear, twenty "'Oh, perfect.' The shape was coming to mind. "'Sorry to have distracted from the conversation. About these messengers, we can't have people going in and out of an abandoned barn every day.' That was meant to be used only a few times a year, maximum. The family that lives next to the barn, the Starks. Tell them I said they're to take on two boarders, and those will be your messengers. Ervin will get his letters to the inn nearest to whatever barracks he's in, with instructions to pass the letters to the Starks. His messengers will take our letters to him when they report for duty. Mobleet frowned. But there are so many inns. I know. The innkeeper of every inn near any Survey Corps barracks works for me, and their loyalty is absolute. She could feel Levi's eyes on her. He knew about Horace, and he knew that when they were still running together, she had begun installing loyal allies upside in inns and merchant companies, though just how thick and complex the vines of her control had grown in the last decade was only now striking him. I thought you lived in the Undercity your whole life, Connie said. Why do all these innkeepers work for you? Because they lived in the Undercity until I got them their inns upside, Himmel said. I told you I run a charity down there. She could feel Levi seize up with fury beside her, and her cheeks turned hot with shame. It was perverse to lame the Sabakia's work as charity, but it was the story she had created to tell the kids when she joined the cadet corps so she could gain their confidence quicker. It was a calculated, selfish decision she had made before she knew any of them and before they meant something to her, and she couldn't take it back now. Himmel said, Is my idea acceptable? Hanji nodded. When the first messenger comes today, we'll put it in place. Now, while Ervin and his men are investigating the Rice family and the interior MPs, we'll be working to understand more about Eden's powers. We need a place where his transformation won't be seen. Himmel frowned as she continued carving out two discs. The lightning is problematic. There is a cave in the mountains to the west. Maybe he could transform inside it. What if the cave collapses? Mikasa asked immediately. I doubt that will happen. I'll be fine, Eden said. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to figure out these powers. The plan was in place for now. With only a few hours until sunset, they didn't have time to go into the mountains to begin experiments. That would have to start tomorrow morning, but Levi wasn't content with sitting around for a day. Mikasa, Eren, you two grab rifles and stand guard in the barn for the messenger. Everyone else is sparring. The kids looked startled by this decision, and Himmel could see in their eyes how they were holding tightly onto the wish that they wouldn't be pitted against friends again. Levi saw it too, but he understood that there was kindness in shattering instead of chipping away flake by flake. He said, no matter what happens next, you can count that our enemies won't be titans. You should all have the conviction to kill someone. Everyone was stiff with reluctance, and Himmel looked at Levi. Do you want to show them how two killers fight? Yeah, go get your swords. We're going to show them your trick, too. Himmel's eyes shot wide. We are? Hanji nodded. It's best that everyone on the team knows, just in case. Himmel bit down on her lip, under the bandana, and tried to keep the panic down. Hanji and Levi were realists. They would push for this only if they thought it was truly in the best interest of the mission. Himmel also trusted all these kids with her life. She should be able to trust them with her death as well. However, the voice of the woman was in her head, telling her how everyone would leave when they learned she was a monster. It was true that Levi, Hanji, and Ervin hadn't left when they found out, but they all needed her for various reasons. Levi needed her to keep him from drowning. Hanji needed her to satisfy their curiosities. Ervin needed her for her abilities in the field and her ruthlessness. As Sabakia, Himmel had chosen to put aside the ugliness of useful individuals, and she knew that these three were doing the same with her. When they no longer had a use for her, they would turn her away. Jittery, she put down the first disc and her knife. Fine, one spar in the trick, and then I'm going to keep working on these. Levi rose to his feet, and the two of them went upstairs to the master bedroom to put on their blades. His fingers flew to affix the leather belts from the waist down with practice, and she tied both of her swords to her belt loops and fastened a black sash around her hips to keep the sheaves in place. Her preparation took less time than his, so she sat down on the bed and waited. I told the kids it was a charity before I knew that things would get this complicated, she said. You should have just told them you were a crook. I needed them to like me, she said. No, you didn't. Ervin brought you in with plans to make you a captain, so what the other recruits thought of you meant shit. You just wanted them to like you, and you told the best lie possible. His words were acid, melting away all the thin veneers she'd put over her selfishness without fully realizing. Let's go. Levi was at the door now, ready to slice her up in front of everyone. Himmel forced herself to her feet, and followed after him. And that's the end of chapter 33. Thanks for listening. I hope that you liked this chapter. It was kind of angsty. Um, But it's been hard to write these bridge chapters leading into the action that we all know and love from season 3, but laying the groundwork is really important, so that's what I've been doing. Um, If you liked what you heard, feel free to pop onto AO3 and leave me a little comment letting me know. It truly makes my day. So, always looking forward to hear from listeners and readers. And yeah, take care. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.